Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 12 of the Movement as Medicine podcast. We have a very special episode for you today. I have an interview with my friends, Noel and Sana Brand over in Breda, Netherlands. They own Breda Strength Conditioning. We just recently did a CFSC level one, level two combo there with them a couple weeks ago. And I wanted to take that opportunity to sit down and talk with them about their experience in gym ownership, a little bit about both their personal stories, their personal passions and projects that they're working on. They do an amazing job running this facility. Um, I have got to be there firsthand and hang out with them and see how they operate, see how they interact with their clients, see how they run their business. And most of all, I got to know them a little bit better um, as uh, you know, friends in the industry who I met a couple of years ago, the last time I came here. I really got to sit down and spend a little bit more time with them this time and learn about them and their personal interests and really what makes them tick. And they're really two amazing people and I think you're really gonna enjoy this episode. So with no further ado, enjoy. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 12 of the Movement as Medicine podcast. And this is a special edition coming to you here from Breda. Say yes. it, Breda. I said it Breda. I kept saying Breda before. So Breda, Netherlands. Um, as we just had our CFSC level one, level two here at Breda Strength and Conditioning with Noel and San. <laughs> This is their home. Thank you for hosting and thank, thank you for having you. us. Thank you so much. Yeah. yeah. And so it's a pleasure to have them on the podcast. Um, I first came here, it was almost three years ago, right? Yeah. 2019. Yeah. 2019. Yeah. Uh, I was here for a CFSC level one and now 2022, we're back. And we just finished up the weekend. We just finished up level two. They passed. Yay. Yeah. So <laughs> I wouldn't have worn the shirt if I didn't pass. And so cheers to that. <gasps> Thanks yes. for the yeah. awesome seminar. Yes. And um, this is a very special beer, if you care to actually share what it is that I'm drinking here. So for the people watching at home, not listening, but watching, I'm holding up uh, a beer that is brewed especially for us. Uh, it's called Built to Last Beer, which is our, like our motto, Built to Last. It's a 10% barley wine. It comes in a very user-friendly big bottle. Uh, it is 0.6 liters. Um, it has, it's a barley wine, 10%, um, and Blixem is the local brewer who makes the beer. Um, my tattoo artist designed the label and the members of Breda Strength Conditioning can drink this beer for free at our anniversary every year. We have an anniversary barbecue. Uh, last year we had our 10 year anniversary, uh, going to have our 11 year anniversary this September. Which is an amazing feat as a <laughs> small business owner and a gym owner. They say, at least I know in America, the two fastest closing businesses are yeah. gyms and restaurants. And so that fact that you're coming up on 11 years also just went through a pandemic. So I think probably the businesses that were affected most were gyms and restaurants. So that's pretty unbelievable. Um, yeah, and I think we'll probably get into talking about yeah. your entrepreneurial history, the ins and outs of running a business. Um, but before that, if you both could maybe give a little background about yourself, maybe your story about, you know, how you came into strength conditioning yeah. and kind of, and that'll kind of take us right into the story about you running the gym. Yeah. All right. Um, so the, the more Kevin drinks of the built to last beer, the better the podcast is going to be. <laughs> um, so cheers, my man. Uh, so uh, my name is Noel Brand. I'm the co-owner and head coach of Breda Strength Conditioning, and we run the gym together. My wife, my awesome and amazing wife, Sana. 
Um, 11 years ago, I started this uh, strength conditioning gym uh, along with somebody else after about, I'd say, two and a half years. Actually, like four and a half years, we kind of went our separate ways. But before we went our separate ways, luckily, Sana uh, was part of the management and kind of steered the ship away from just, you know, imminent disaster, just like <laughs> uh, took the helm. Uh, I started the gym, Breda uh, Conditioning, because I wanted a place to, to train a certain way and it wasn't around. Uh, I got into touch with strength and conditioning more and more during a deployment to Afghanistan with the Royal Netherlands Marine Corps. I was in the Marine Corps for 14 years. Um, then started the gym, had two jobs for about seven years, eventually got to a spot within the Marine Corps as a corporal, as a physical training instructor. Um, the gym running very well, uh, thanks to Sana and all the awesome members and, and clients and coaches that I could do it full time. Uh, really got into um, the the coaching, really got into the continued education. And um, the gym was running kind of smoothly, but not very well. But it was kind of doing okay. Um, and eventually my wife kind of joined in and the, the gym actually really took off. And, and it got us to where we are right now. Yeah, thanks. So uh, my name is Sana Brandbomina. Um, and I'm, of course, the second co-owner of Beda Strength and Conditioning. Uh, so how I got to in strength, into strength and conditioning is probably, well, I've been in sports for like uh, 18 years now. And I started off as a, a group class instructor, just a regular Les Mills instructor, doing it just on the side uh, of my regular job as a marketing coordinator. Um, and um, I really love coaching people and helping them to feel better and stuff like that. But it was also always, it has always been a side job. Mm -hmm. So uh, then I got, um, I'm, I'm not sure if you say that in English as well, but uh, burned out. So mm -hmm. I had a burnout and I really started focusing on, so what does make me happy and what, well, actually I figured out that um, this makes me happy. So um, uh, training people, uh, but I wasn't doing strength and conditioning at that time. So I started, uh, I had a lot of free time at home because I was recovering and I started uh, joining the gym that I strength conditioning about, I think 10 years ago. Uh, started oh, training. There. So we had a client uh, coach relationship. Well, actually, nice, yeah, a successful did. one. Though. So that's yeah. that's okay. So what yeah, we sure. said. So what we said off camera before we started. I I, I liked her the minute she she came around the corner and like <laughs> I was like oh wow she I really like her yeah back then I was still in a relationship and we didn't pursue anything obviously yeah, yeah. clean and everything but then after that I was like. Well, I really like some. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I started working yeah. out at Blood Essence Conditioning and still earning my, uh, having my regular uh, 85 job and um, uh, doing group classes at, at a different uh, fitness uh, gym, whatever. Um, and then gradually I started shifting uh, towards strength and conditioning, but also in um, educational uh, purpose. So I started doing courses, education on strength and conditioning, uh, personal training and nutrition, stuff like that, and really tried to, to level up. And um, at a certain point, I uh, quit uh, my regular job and uh, fully went for it, uh, being a, um, uh, well, not a co-owner then, but just being self-employed personal mm -hmm. trainer. Uh, at an at an other facil facility, and then eventually going to Breda Strength Conditioning because things didn't work out at the, at the other end. And uh, he asked if he, if I could be 
um, part of the team. Yeah, actually, yeah. That, part of the management, yes. Definitely. Yeah, because they were like, yeah, because there there were two guys uh, just doing their hobby really well, absolutely really well. But it kind of what what you said it was kind of like it needed a female touch and someone with management skills. Yes. <laughs> because I had a I had a commercial job before that. I I had a kind of like. Um, uh, Oh, sure. But that's what your bachelor was about. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 So, uh, so I jumped in and about nine months later, uh, the other co-owner, he took off to, uh, or we kind of split, yep. um, the two gyms that were currently owned on that at that time. So we split it, uh, he went that one. Yeah. Gym, and we kind of kept the ship. Yeah. 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 It from worked. that day, that, that's like, uh, over six years now. Yep. Uh, we call them vision. Yeah. So it's like a perfect place. Yeah. yeah. And two but things. What I, need, what I need to mention yeah. is that I, before, um, I first became a co-owner and then the sec a day later, we had a kind of, yeah, we, you took around. care of business first. <laughs> it's all Absolutely. business. It's all business. So, Don't that's let the looks fool you. It's Don't let the looks fool you. Coming in no, yes, 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 I was first. Business yeah. first. <laughs> Business yeah. first. Yeah. Well, so two things I took away from like what you were saying. One, I mean, touch on the idea of burnout, which I think is probably really common in fitness, but yeah. where you were burnt out on your other job. Is exactly. that the truth? Yeah. And so, and I've seen that happen before. And I always say like, if there's something you're passionate about, you're able to work really hard yeah. and you don't get burnt out because you're driven exactly. by it. Whereas like you might work a job in an office that you're drained by. So and you're like, I'd rather trade the security from a nine to five job hours from a nine to five job that burnt me out yeah. for working long days in something that's probably not so secure in an entrepreneurial setting Absolutely. because for you it you feel passionate yeah it's i, I always say it's about uh uh what is it energy energy expenditure and um energy where you get energy uh, energy takers and yeah. energy uh Give, givers, givers. Yeah, yeah fill your cup so i can i can work Into like your cup. 50 hours for a regular job and but but uh, so hard work but not get that much out of it energy wise though I had an amazing job but it still didn't work really well mm -hmm. um, and I uh, when I quitted my job I obviously worked like 60 or 65 hours so much more hours but uh, per week uh, but I got so much more energized and that, that was definitely the thing yeah and that's a that's a big thing that i think sometimes people figure out too late right absolutely and it's not always too late like we've had coaches start with us in their 40s yeah um who left a career behind and yeah. we're like i'm so happy i did it so i would say if you're listening to this it probably isn't any such thing as too late but when you have more responsibilities and more trappings and more things that you're tied to it becomes harder yeah. as you get older if so. you already have a mortgage and two kids yeah. it's not easy just to go hey honey you know you know finance that i'm really good yeah. at and i got the car and everything you know what i'm gonna be a painter yeah exactly. like, yeah. you kidding, better man. you better be picasso bro. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you better be painting the 16 chapel all over again and then something from a business partnership standpoint that is really interesting is like you see this a lot you want to have there's always the person who might be the dreamer, the person who might be the real passionate person who started the founder. You see this in big companies a lot, founders that have a vision, yeah. but sometimes you need to bring an adult in, right? <laughs> somebody with organizational skills yeah. or business and finance skills to continue to level up the business. Like, and like when I look at Mike and Bob who own MBSC, 
Like Mike is all training mm -hmm. with a vision of what the gym should be. But Bob runs the day-to-day -day in the office, the organizational, the billing, uh, the finance, the payroll. Everything goes through him on that end. Yeah. Mike will proudly tell you he's never charged a credit card yeah. in all their years in business. And I think ultimately being able to strike a balance with a partner, whether yeah. it's your actual partner or your business partner, when you work together to figure out, hey, what are you good at? You do what you're good at. I'll do what I'm good at. And then we'll run the business together is really important. Sure. Um, because you have to know where your weaknesses are and yes. you have to know where your partner's strengths are in order to, to build a business. So you guys seem to have really struck that balance uh, pretty well. Yeah, and also keeps you out of each other's way. Because if you're both responsible for the same thing, well, obviously we're both responsible for biohazard conditioning, but mm -hmm. if you're both responsible for, for example, finances, then it gets, it gets lost. Yeah. You yeah. Know? So you really need to be kind of like strict. And it doesn't, it doesn't really mean that I have nothing to do with programming. No. Obviously, I have my own program like Strong Women, uh, and he, but and I do my programming for that. Um, but uh, Noel does the programming for for our our GPP uh, um, regular classes. Yeah, gym club. Own, yeah, yeah, my own special program. Yeah, and for you with the military background, were you passionate about fitness first, or was it military? that kind of even continue to build your passion for fitness? Because now you obviously have a strong contingent of people here you train for, uh, for military service. That's definitely kind of a niche that you guys are in. Yes. Um, but for you, was it driven from, hey, I need to be fit to do this? Or was it something you carried into uh, the Marines? It's a, uh, that's, uh, that's going to be, I'm going to try and shorten the answer. Yeah. <laughs> and I, spoiler alert, I'm going to fail. So I tried to, Joined Special Forces when I was 20 years old, and I failed Special Forces selection in the last week of selection. So I had, um, there was like 24 weeks, and then like week 23, I, I quit myself. Uh, I quit, I quit uh, Special Forces selection, and it kind of devastated me. Um, and But I didn't train for that properly. So I wanted to um, uh, train and perhaps join a different unit, and I was kind of like, uh, down in the dumps about it and being hard on myself and et cetera. And then I decided, you know what, I'm going to join the Royal Netherlands Marine Corps, but I'm going to learn from the mistakes I made preparing for special forces selection. And I'm going to um, really dive into this with running, with strength training. Back then it was regular fitness because I didn't know about strength and conditioning. And I basically kind of trained myself along with a friend of mine. He ended up becoming a Green Beret and I ended up becoming a, a Marine. Well, in the Marine Corps, I always uh, kind of like training. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm, you know, uh, you can tell from my powerlifting, world champion powerlifting physique. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm an endurance guy. Uh, I, I, I enjoy endurance, uh, the training for endurance. So swim, bike, run, used to do triathlon, now ultra running, half marathon, marathon. So the, um, I kind of trained myself and I just wanted to get better. I just wanted to improve myself. And through uh, like the, the, the study I did, I kind of knew about coaching and how to present yourself and uh, like how to set up class, et cetera. And then I just combined my personal experience with courses I did. And then eventually I ended up through kettlebells, through strength and conditioning courses. I just developed more and more and more uh, knowledge, uh, learn stuff, uh, like stuff, didn't like stuff and kind of like 
experimented on myself and then also, yeah, wanted, especially after Afghanistan, I wanted to, a place to train because I finally felt like, okay, so now I'm really going to take this more and more serious yep. along of the other endurance stuff. But that's kind of how I grew into it. It was all kind of like heading the same way. And the military just basically forced me to prepare myself and then it just it just kept going and that's actually why I, I started my own military prep program and a gym because i want to now help other people not fail at selection so but that's just a different story and we'll get well and so i mean i know that's a big part of what you do obviously not something you're really passionate about we've talked pretty extensively about that about your program and yeah i feel like you're really driven to see these people succeed you're very uh personally dedicated to seeing them graduate, seeing them get to the ranks that they want. Like when you look in your office and you see all the stuff hung up, you look on the stairs there, you see all the hung stuff hung up. That is definitely something you identify with strongly. Um, and obviously we talked about like your dedication shows. I think that's also why they come so uh, dedicated. Like we saw people here today, we saw people here yesterday, we saw people here Friday, we're all training yeah. um, for, for those goals specifically. Um, and what do you find is the biggest challenge in developing the military client, the person, the, the person who's in the candidate program, per se, that you work through? Um, the physical. So we at British Conditioning, we go like we, we make people physically and mentally stronger. But the physical aspect is the easiest to train. If you just if you only do the bare minimum, you sleep well, you, you eat like an adult. You take your recovery serious and you lift weights and you run, you're going to get better. But everybody that starts selection or a certain uh, whatever program, everybody wants to earn their beret. Everybody wants to do well. But the difference is not in the physical. Pretty much everybody's the same, but it's the mental aspect. But it's also the toughest to train. So when I, I put a lot of emphasis on um, you want it, the person next to you on day one also wants it, but you know what are you willing to do before it, you get to day one? So how hard are you willing to work? And you might need to work work out less. You might need to uh, get your nutrition dialed in better. Um, so I'd say the mental aspect because they all think they're working hard. Yeah. Everybody thinks they're cycling fast, and, and then a motorcycle comes by, and you're like, oh, <laughs> I'm not going that fast at all. So I will have, uh, we'll have like a group app. We'll have like podcasts. I, I, I make them read books and then they have to like do homework and give me three of the main takeaways from the book. I, 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 I give to them. I'm like, I want you to tell me what you took from this book. Then I want you to apply it. I want everybody to work hard. And that's why I screen pretty carefully because if there's, there's going to be six people in a class, if we have five guys just, you know, phoning it in, you're going to be the sixth guy phoning it in. But if five guys work hard and you're like, oh, wow, everybody's working hard, you're going to be the, the sixth hard worker. Uh, I'll have people that have earned their beret uh, or I'm currently uh, coaching. I'll have them come in after uh, the, the program and they'll share things that they struggle with and how they uh, overcome that obstacle, overcame that obstacle. So I'd say the biggest problem is the mental problem because you could – pretty much get fit and strong anywhere, but I just hold, hold them to a higher standard. Uh, and if, if they're not putting out, I'll just go like, you're not your first warning. You got to do better and let's do this. Second warning, they're gone. I never, 
I had to say goodbye to one guy, but that was just a, we're not going to get every into now that. and then you got to do that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Luckily I have a lot of the screening goes very well. And yeah. luckily there's a lot of guys that work re- and girls that work really hard. That's good. Yeah. So Sana, the big thing, like you each kind of have your niche, which is really yeah. interesting. Like, you're with, I mean, obviously we'll get into the whole sickness that you're an endurance athlete in a little while, but <laughs> you have the military background and then you have the strong women program. And yeah. so tell me about what like motivated you to build that. I mean, obviously the fact that you're a woman. That's, uh, that's but... actually a funny story. <laughs> uh, so um, when I started uh, teaching classes uh, about 18 years ago, I, I, I started working in a gym uh, behind the counter. So I had to, I, I could uh, just go there and do every class I wanted, and and but I didn't coach any classes. Then there was this, uh, the owner of the gym. She uh, saw something in me, and she was looking for um, uh, somebody to cover her uh, from time to time. So she said, Sana, I really want you to um, to do this in this course. I'm going to educate you, and I want you to be on stage. So you will be presenting the the classes, and I was like, uh, "What? I uh, no, I can't do that because I'm not that kind of girl." And you know, I was 20 years old, and I was like, "Hell no!" I, I used to be afraid of loud music and stuff like that. So yeah. that that's the kind of girl I was. And I was like, "No, no, no, I can't do that." And she she kind of convinced me. She saw something in me that I didn't see, and she kind of convinced me to do that. And so step by step, I became uh, a certified uh, coach to to do Les Mills class and stuff like that. Um, so then, fast forward to uh, years, years later, when I was in my burnout and started working out at Astro Strength and Conditioning, I was doing all this kind of stuff, uh, putting Atlas stones on my on my shoulders and. Uh, uh, living, lifting heavy, heavy weights and obviously that was kind of like the start of social media so a lot of my uh, clients who were in my last meals classes they say wow Sana you're doing all that I would never be able to do that and I was like that's weird because I know what kind of girl I was and I can do it so and obviously that's the that's the mistake most people make like if I can do it then you can do it but uh, knowing from what kind of background I came, I was like, that's just weird that these people, these girls, these women think that they cannot do this. And at that same point, I was uh, um, uh, doing my first uh, certified course for strength and conditioning, personal training and stuff like that. And the end, um, end assignment was like making a program that the world, you will make the world a little bit better. And that was actually a strong women program. So it was a 12 week uh, program where I got people, uh, girls uh, coming into strength and conditioning, doing stuff like that, having their nutrition, having their, um, uh, you say that sleep skills, emotion management, stress management, stuff like that. All like the training part in order, uh, the, um, how do you say it? The, the nutrition part in order, uh, nothing weird, just regular foods. Uh, but like Noel said, eat like an adult. Um, and then the mindset, uh, in order and mindset and the lifestyle, uh, factors, uh, and people were getting so enthusiastic by, by hearing about this program that they were like, Oh, so you're really going to put this out there. <laughs> I'm like, mm, no, not really. Well, oh, why not? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do that. That's, yeah. That's, so that's, why, why not? not? Yeah. So that was nine years, approximately nine, eight or nine years ago. 
And I started uh, doing that and it has been evolving ever since and growing bigger and bigger. And yeah, it's just really nice to see these girls, women um, from all different stages in their life. So I have uh, uh, women who are like 20 years old uh, in their early 20s. And I have my mom and my um, uh, mother-in-law also uh, training for me like for years. Sweet Spot is about... 30, 35 to 40 years, obviously. But uh, yeah, I have all kind of girls. Uh, uh, and I, I always say girls or women, but uh, always also, also my mother-in-law and mother, I, I call them, all right, girls, let's, let's go, do girls. this. They're <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> always girls. Absolutely. So yeah, that's really awesome to see how they um, uh, start to build confidence. And for example, so, so to get back to the story I told you earlier, I want to be the woman uh, if somebody needs a little push or to make them believe in themselves, uh, like uh, the co- like the owner I was who, just about to who, say. Was, who was pulling me into coaching. Um, I want to be that person for somebody else. If that's what they need to step up a little, only if they want to, of course. I'm not going to drag that. But if they come to me for help, then yes, obviously I'm going to help them and get better and get stronger and physically and mentally because what another thing what i like about that is a uh, uh, many women become a mom obviously not all but they have friends around them or they have children or whatever so if you can let that person grow as a person that that translates to everyone around them yeah. so how awesome is it if i have a mom here and i can build her confidence that absolutely transfers to their kids and they that's exponentially have an impact exactly. on everyone so, who they raise. Absolutely. It's funny listening to you saying, I immediately thought of like, you are becoming the way that woman who is your boss, yes. you're becoming that to somebody else. And yeah. it shows how important it is to have people that you work for or people that you work with yeah. who believe in you, absolutely. even if you are not fully absolutely. confident, because yeah. then now you just gain the confidence to do that for an exponential amount of people after that. True. And then going to... The whole start with why idea I go back to always with our staff is like, understand why it is what you do for a living, not what no, and not how much money you make. That's a result, but mm-hmm. your why. And so what you just said was like, you want to have an impact on generations of women yeah. going down yeah. and that might sound audacious, but it's actually <laughs> true. Right. Yeah. And those are the type of goals you want. They say yeah. big, hairy goals. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so, um, I remember at MBSC when I started, Brendan and I had read Start With Why, and we wrote like, okay, what's our actual why? And it was, I want to um, spread the power and the positivity that comes with physical activity and exercise to as many people as I can. Yeah. And when I first started, like my what was, I was a high school strength conditioning coach in a, a private setting. And like, in my mind, I was like, that's the best job I could ever have. But then I started getting opportunities to do staff education. So exponentially, the reach gets a little further because then I start to educate people who coach people underneath me. Then I got to do mentorships. So I got to educate coaches from the outside who would go back to where they were from and coach somebody else. So my why, my why didn't change, right? But my what changed changed as I grew. Now I travel and do this, the CFSC, I do the podcast. I have a much larger reach, but my why didn't change. And so like you were, what I heard was like, you, you're still on the same why, but your reach is going to continue to grow because 
you're dedicated to what you want, which is, uh, I think from a career development standpoint, what a lot of people need to think about is like, don't focus on necessarily money. It's not that money is important, but like you're going to start probably not making as much as you want and don't Mm -hmm. focus on the what all the things you had to do to start a business. That's fine. You know how many podcasts I've had where beers are opening during it? That's fine. Just so everybody knows, I've been crushing two of these, but they're all non-alcoholic beers. So don't think like this dude's like. It's pretty impressive, the lineup. Hammering down. <laughs> Meanwhile, um, I have 22 ounces of a 9% or 10%. Ten. How do you like it? It's delicious. I mean, yeah, clearly it's terrible. I've already knocked off <laughs> that much. We got more in the back. Yeah. We'll just edit that out. It's like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like the Thor. Yeah. Thor beer. <laughs> I haven't finished my beer yet. They're just all topper uppers. Yeah. <laughs> And so, like, you were, like, when you define it that way, like, your limits to what you could do are unlimited, right? Because you keep thinking about, like, okay, that my why is here, I achieved it this way, how do I achieve it at the next level? And that's what's really cool to see. So how many years have you been running the program here? Uh, Here, I think, uh, I started when I was poem winning. Uh, No, just before that. So you already had that on paper, you had it? And then you, yeah. No, because before I was doing it at another yeah, gym. Yeah, I know. But and then you took, but that was your end project. And yeah. then you did kind of like a pilot. And then you did the actual thing pretty soon afterwards here. Uh, yeah, I did, a couple, I did a couple yeah. of, of them uh, in uh, Amersfoort, uh, uh, a little north here. And then uh, when I became just, uh, I think, half a, half a year before I became an co-owner, I started my strong yeah. here. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was definitely less than a year, so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so I would say, like, I, I've traveled to a ton of gyms. Like, I would say, honestly, I've probably been to more gyms around the world than probably anybody in yeah. this industry. Like, we've been in 20-something countries. I've been to most of them. We've had all these coaches. And what I really see about gyms that are successful is a few things that I see when I come here. And I think about what we do, but I think about all these other countries I've been to. Number one, there's a palpable culture. There's a way of doing things that reflects the personalities of the people who own it. Like, you're both very humorous. Um, like, Did you hear that? Yeah. yeah. He said I was funny. <laughs> but, like, what I mean, there's a certain way that you guys point. communicate that I think is funny. But I see, like, you joke with your clients. Yeah. They immediately get it, right? Um, there's an expectation about behavior and the way things are done. Like you said, everybody always shows up on time, right? There's just your culture. Everyone represents it. Right. And I think about our gym. I think about the example I say made like Mark Fisher fitness. Um, they people really care about logistics and the way the equipment is set up. The first thing I said, when I, when I, someone told me when I posted the video, those places, that place is beautiful. It looks like it has everything you need and nothing you don't like. It's very clean and organized. Right. Number two is logistical. Um, Another thing, uh, like from uh, number three, is you hire personalities. You find people who fit based on personality, not necessarily who has the biggest resume. Absolutely. Like people who fit in the culture. And so for you guys, building this gym, like it's definitely a reflection of both of you. If I look around, like it it looks like you two belong here. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. Which is really interesting. But so from your perspective of gym ownership, like what have been the kind of the growing pains you have gone through? Um, as far as building what you see now, because I think a lot of people would come in here. You've been doing this for 11 years, right? This has been mm-hmm. here for 11 years and people always see like the finished product. Like we talked about the growing pains, even in the time that I've been at MBSC last night, people look at the gym and like, Oh, this place is amazing. 
but it's really hard to own and a gym. It's a really Absolutely. tough job. If anybody wants this gym, just reasonable offer. That's we'll a, take it. Yeah, that's what Bob always says. Yeah, give me your best offer. So, like, for people who like, there's a lot of people who would come in here and think that this is my dream. Mm-hmm. Like, this is exactly what I want. And so, from both of you, I'd like to hear both of your perspectives. Yeah. And like, what advice would you give them based on your experience? What were the things that were tough? What were the things that were really important? What were the things that you didn't expect? Um, in your experience of opening and running and growing a gym, because this is your second location. You've been mm-hmm. doing this for 11 years. So you've seen iterations of what is actually here now um, that have that now have made this work and what make you tick today. Well, let me, let me think about that real quick because I don't have a – I'd say – so this might be a little bit all over the place. Um, definitely when I did uh, SEALs, which is like very low kind of like study to become a, a physical – education, be in physical education. Um, obviously you, you just learn to be a, a trainer of sports. Uh, they don't tell you how to run a gym up to now of, of until a couple of years ago, nobody actually told me how to run a gym at all. Um, I think what's really important is that you do something that fits you. You, you if you are not genuine, people will, like really like go through that immediately and go like, Hey, something's off. So you need to really like what you're doing and you need to um, be your own person and kind of make it your business kind of needs to reflect that. Um, Obviously not everyone's going to go run every day just because I like running, but I like uh, yoga and strength conditioning as well. So I'd say, um, that it's important that you kind of find who you are and then let that reflect in your business. I'd say that it's very important to try and deliver quality in, in everything. So coaching, communication, social media, your merchandise, the, the website, the pictures, just everything. If, if the quality needs to be good, obviously the product needs to be good, which is the coaching, but everything around it needs to be good as well. Now, to be a good coach, you need to do you know, courses and seminars and education. You need to communicate, be able to communicate. So I'd say you need to be reading or listening to podcasts or to try and get better all the time because otherwise, you know, it's you're going to suck. You, can, you need more tools in your tool toolkit, your tool belt than just the one hammer. Yeah. Um, also, and I think I learned that, um, well, luckily I have an amazing wife and, and uh, two great business coaches. You can have the best stake in the world, but if nobody knows the best stake in the world is here, uh, nobody's going to show up. People won't come knocking down your door just because you're a, a great coach, but if, if they don't know you're here. So the business end of it as well and communicating your message needs to all be in line. What's your message? You got to talk, think about your vision and your mission and how you're going to present that. What's your five-year goal, 10-year goal, all that stuff. I thought it was like, well, I'm going to start a gym. It's going to be easy. You lift weights, you pay, then you can lift the weights. And if you don't pay, you can't lift the weights. Yeah. That's not how that goes. That's definitely not how that goes. (laughs) And one thing I noticed, I said this to you, I said, quality is something I really realized here. Like you spend time at the logos, you spend time with the merch. You even told me, like, I have the best coffee. 
<laughs> the first thing you're like, I have the best coffee. Like, but you take pride in what you deliver, yeah. right? And that's this goes to the how you do anything is how you do everything. Like, yeah. it's a quality like issue. You care about like you clearly took sign. Like, I'll st- I'll post pictures with the podcast, or I'll maybe do a little video tours. Like, you you care about the signage, right? You care about how every little detail looks. And shout out to our in-house designer who did the look and feel. Actually, I'm going to tell, talk about Tim, who's a friend of mine. His final project for his study had to be, he had to design a look and a feel of a certain qual, uh, brand. And uh, he asked, hey, can I do this for Breda Shonfic Edition? And are like, hell yes. So he came up with the new logo, which is the anvil and the hammer and the, yeah. and the sparks. And he helped us design where the letters are, what color this is or that is, and how we kind of set up the gym so it wouldn't, so it would all fit together. So the merch would look the right way, the font would look the right way, the the, the whole gym kind of brief. Like, oh wow! If you see a picture of just a small part of Bredasian for conditioning, we want people to go like, oh, I know where that is. Yeah, like you have a distinct yeah. image, you have yeah. a distinct brand yeah. that people know. Um, and another thing that I heard was like. The, the thing that breaks my heart is when someone comes to MBSC and they go, I didn't even know this place was here. Yeah. And you're like, I thought we were doing a good job <laughs> kind of shouting about it. And like, you realize most of your referrals come from word of mouth, right? Absolutely. But there's going to be a lot of people, no matter how good of a job you do, have yeah. no idea yeah. that this, like mm-hmm. this place, when yeah. you look around is here, yeah. who could be right down the street. It's and so, yeah. And so you're like, <laughs> I want to yell it from the mountaintops to like, we're right here. Please, please come and see us. Um, and like you said, as a gym owner, you're getting, you're just like, no, like people just show up to lift weights. Yes. Like you're like us, you're in an industrial park, right? Yeah. People don't come driving here, like drive by on their way to go get the groceries, right? If you're coming down here, I mean, there's a bunch of gyms here, obviously in this park, but you're going to the mechanic, you're going to like the, uh, I see the sand and gravel place or whatever's over there, like whatever, like you go, that's what you're down here for. You're not driving by by mistake. No, no. At MBSC, we're at the dead, on a dead end road of an industrial park at the very end yeah. to the point too, where this industrial park's recently built enough that the GPS stops. <laughs> so like, if you are trying to find us, like we're not getting any drive-by traffic. So most gyms are in places like this, big buildings, you need yeah. high ceilings, you need yeah. space. So you're like, I, you really need to say like, this is where we are. Social media is given that avenue. Word of mouth is good. But you, like you said, it opens up your eyes. Like I didn't know I had to be a marketing person. I didn't yeah. know I had to be an advertising yeah. person. And so, um, it, it's, uh, it's a whole eye opener of someone who's a fitness person who only really identifies with, you know, lifting the weights. Yeah. It's, it's, a so son is going to talk about how, you know, what her uh, things were obviously, but Shana came from a marketing background and management background. And the funny thing is that, I, I was, she was like, all right, so I want Noel to be, you know, part of the marketing aspect as well, because you need sales, you need to be a businessman, you need more than I was, so to speak. And then eventually our, our, our awesome business coaches, uh, Dan and Joe from Varsity House, Gym Business of Strength, uh, I was like, oh, this is a great idea. So I was like, I did my bachelor's in this, and then you come and... Uh, person <laughs> under your nose, right? It's never... That's standard. So. Yeah, but that's okay, because uh, never coach your loved ones. So also in this case... Now don't date your clients. <laughs> don't train your life. Okay, that, that didn't happen, but... Uh, <laughs> we screwed I that made, up. No, we, we did... We, we broke the rule. We broke the one rule, and we, we did it the, the right way. Listen, my wife was a CFSC coach who I met at an event. So, uh-huh. you know, it's some, as long as it turns out okay. Absolutely. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So I was happy that uh, Dan and Joe were there to to let you catch up. <laughs> yeah, well, so for your perspective coming in, like he had a business with a partner that was running and then you came in and like I said, like you really clearly took on the role of like, this is how we're going to organize things. This yeah. is how we're going to market things. This is how, like in your, what were your challenges in changing the business? Well, because I think there's a lot of people that like might buy into a business or partner with someone and you're like, these are their habits, but this is what I think is best. So like, yeah, I'd love to hear your perspective on that. So first, uh, we have, um, a very straightforward approach. So, um, not sure how to call it in English, but it's like, um, yeah, need little more butter. So it's yeah, you no planning, no moaning and complaining. Just, just do the hard work. So, go. so yeah. but that scares a lot of people off. So at first, when I came in, uh, first of all, uh, the the um, memberships were way too low priced. So we were losing money on that. The hours were way too long. We had one and a half hours. Yeah, ninety minutes sessions. 90 minute session, sessions, but that means that our coaches had to be paid like 90 minutes. 90 minutes. Uh, and, and we were charging way too little for, for everything. So that's the first thing I had to do when I became a co-owner and that was not a very popular decision, of course. So cutting back, uh, the, the duration of the, of the class and, um, uh, upping the, upping membership the, the membership fee. Yeah. You're looking at the margins, thinking. Yeah, like, okay, so that was not a good idea. That was a very good idea, but that was not being. And everybody, when uh, what's most important, what I uh, what we figured out then was communicate clearly, guys. If you want this place to exist this year, then we have to change things because this is not going the right way. And it, since everybody was so involved in this gym, uh, they obviously they didn't like it, and a lot, and some people left. Um, but a lot of people also were like, yeah, you're probably right because this is kind of like not, not right. Um, so that was one thing, um, that was. And on that, like, before we get to the next thing, like yeah. that's something that a lot of gym owners or personal training need to hear. Like you have to have those conversations yes. about very directly, yeah. whether it's with the client or with the people that work yeah. for you. Like you said, like the price needs to go up or yeah. the hours need to change. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, it's about sustainability. Do you exactly. want to have a job here in three exactly. years from now? Yeah. Um, and I think there's a lot of coaches who might be privately employed, contractors who are afraid to raise their price. Yeah. And they're like, well, I'm going to lose people. Yeah. You're going to lose people. So okay. anyway, yeah. yeah. But you're going to gain people too. Yeah. You're going to have people who a lot of your clients understand. Yeah. If you break down the price structure, they don't understand how your business works. No. They just think that they just show exactly. up and pride money and you yeah. put it all in your pocket. Exactly. You're like all of this costs something. Absolutely. And, Somebody needs yeah. to pay for it. And that's what I even tell our employees yeah. is like, okay, let's actually sitting with your employees, like this is actually the price structure. You think I walk out of here with a water cat every day. Yeah. <laughs> but like I pay for the electricity, I pay for the heat, I pay the rent, I pay yeah. the insurance, I pay the, yeah. the, the, all the systems that we have here. And so mm -hmm. getting them to understand, I think treating sometimes treating your staff like owners exactly. to an extent and saying, like, yeah. this is where the money goes. Having a certain amount of uh, transparency. Yeah. yeah. That, that, that yeah. Uh, goes very well. I think you take people with you in the process yeah. and then they understand or not. And that's fine too. But I still think it's a very hard subject for me as well. Yeah. It's a hard conversation. Yeah. Because we're not in, we're in this business 
um, obviously, because we have passion, we're passionate yeah. about it, yeah. not to make as much money as we can, because oh. then we would have done something different. I remember, I remember when we were talking about, oh, are we going to ask this for personal training? Oh man, am I worth that money? But you know, am I? But and and I kind of had to. Uh, I felt guilty. Like, can, can I charge this? Because I was kind of. We're working hard, and we were like putting in a lot of hours, also on the, the education side. But you're like, oh, am I gonna ask this amount? And then after like a little while, because you need to, you know, develop some speed and momentum yeah. and and get it going. Eventually, I'm, I was like, <laughs> I'm not trying to be an an a-hole about it, but I was like, no, oh, I'm worth this. And if they don't want to pay it, that's fine. That's yeah. like, I'll find somebody else. But you need to get that, um, you need to get over that uh, feeling of, can I sell myself for this price? And yeah, if you need another one, just let me know. Yeah. <laughs> the big thing is, is like understanding, yeah. I, like you said, being confident and saying that I am valuable. I'm X valuable because you're putting a number on your time. Yeah. And in reality, your time is priceless. Right, like you don't mm -hmm. get it back. No. But if I'm gonna give it away to somebody, I want to make sure that, like, if I'm working all day, if I'm working 50 hours a week, whatever it is, when I go home at night, I don't want to think like, oh man, I need to make more money if I work my ass. I got a, I got a quote about that. It says, "If I do a job in 30 minutes, it took me 10 years to do it in 30 minutes. So, you don't owe me for the minutes; you owe me for the years." So Brendan and I, on a couple podcasts ago, talked about what was called the boiler maker story. Um, and so it's, a, he, Brendan told it probably better than me, but he was saying like, there's a guy, yeah, a guy was like, a someone had to come and fix a boiler on a ship and they called a guy and they couldn't get it fixed or whatever. And he comes in and, you know, he looks around and he tinkers a little bit and he tightens one screw and taps on one thing. And he goes, all right, that'll be a thousand dollars. And the guy's like, you were only here for 10 minutes. And he goes, yeah, you're paying for my experience. You're not paying for my time. Right. And so. I, yeah. Like them having that, uh, people understanding that, and also that speaks to your personal skills. Like Absolutely. if they generally want to spend time with you and you exude confidence in what you do, then you should be worth that amount of money. And I think a lot of coaches don't really believe that they're worth what they're worth. And so I think overall, if you're in this industry, you got to understand that like, like you have to look at your hours, honestly. How much do I want to work? It goes back yeah. to this whole Alan Cosgrove thing where he said, like, work backwards. Like, what is your dream life? What do you want to have? What hours do you want to work? How much time do you want to spend with your family? How many, when do you want to take vacation? And then work the numbers backwards and say, okay, then realistically, how much revenue do we have to gain? How do, how do we pay our employees? Because yeah. I think sometimes it's like you said, like, you start a gym, you're like, no, people just pay to train, and then we just kind of figure it out. And you're like, oh, the numbers don't work. <laughs> then you have to have the tough conversation of yeah. price going up. Yeah. Sorry about that, honey. Yeah. And and but you need someone to have the tough conversations, yeah. right? Like yeah. that's that's someone has to be able to take that job and, and be able to, to talk like that. So that's a really important point. Absolutely. Did you have other other ones? Did you uh... Well, um when I look back and what I wish if I had been in this uh, well obviously a, uh, from the point I did my uh, first strength and conditioning education uh, to the point that I became co-owner is very, very limited in time. So when I look back, I would have rather uh, seen more places. So that's what I uh, always say to young coaches. Just go to as many places as you can, get internships, go uh, uh, look over somebody's shoulder, just see how they're doing yeah, just it. Shadow them, do get as much experience in as much 
uh, as many target um, uh, groups as you as you wish. Uh, we just get a broad um, uh, experience. knowledge and experience yeah, yeah. Of, of what's Absolutely. what's out there. So don't start uh, going niche uh, yes. too oh, soon. I could talk um, about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Definitely, be a good generalist first. Absolutely, really good because. Everybody, so I, I train like a couple of pro athletes or like one pro athlete and a couple of very competitive athletes. But before you get there, you really need to be able to communicate with people and coach human beings because you don't coach weights. You coach the people that lift the weights. Yeah. So definitely, just absolutely, just watch all the good coaches. And how do you find good coaching? Social media, website, whatever. Yeah. Ask politely. Email, introduce yourself, and you yeah. can get that done. It's amazing what I, I was. I went back to UMass. I go back to where I graduated every year. Speak to the kin department, and I talk to all the kids yeah. uh, who were in the kin program. And for us, it's a really good leader system for us to get interns. Like every year, I get interns out of it, which is awesome. Um, but also, just talk to them about that. Like I went through your program. You're going to learn anatomy. You're going to learn basic physiology. You're going to learn biomechanics. You're going to take your gen eds. You're going to party. You're going to learn how to social skills. That's the value of college. Yeah. I said, you're not going to know shit about strength conditioning and working in a business until you get experience. And that's okay. I didn't either. Nope. And so the first thing I say to them is go apply for an internship. Yeah. When you're at, when, during that internship, ask somebody, who else could I go visit? Ask exactly. people you're working for. Exactly. If you're not interning, do a cold call or an email. Be respectful. I would be, I'm always very impressed. When I get a college kid or a young guy or girl who emails me or calls me and says, hey, I just want to get experience, yes, please. Yeah. You know how many people aren't eager to learn Absolutely. or get better? No one who you're banging down the door and be like, hi, guys, can I please come hang out here and help coach for free? You're like, uh, yeah. yeah sure. <laughs> I would love that. I said a small business owner would love to hear that. Yeah. And so for you, it's priceless. Like my internship experience, I say, was like I got my 10,000 hours and Three months. Like, I, I was yeah. like, that's what I felt like I said, fast forward in my career. Yeah. And I said, if you, if you, I think interning for us is the best, but I don't care if you want to build your career, just go somewhere. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, and, and then, like you said about trying a lot of different places, like for what I did, like I interned at MBSC, I went to Merrimack College, I interned there in a, in a college setting so I could understand. What's the difference? Yeah. I had also already worked at a Gold's gym. I worked at a collegiate uh, strength conditioning facility back at UMass, and I worked at the, the gym. So I had a lot of different awesome. places. Yeah. Yeah. And so in my head, I always think, like, I think about, like, a chart, like, the strength conditioning or fitness personal training universe. Where does yeah. everybody fit? Yeah. And where do I want to be? Like, hmm? okay, there's the uh, pure strength conditioning people here. There's the more fitnessy people here. There's, like, the bodybuilding people here. There's the CrossFit type people here. It's a, it, we're all part of the same yeah. universe. We're just on different perspectives. Exactly. And so I think if you have an idea of what that looks like mm-hmm. and you have enough a toe into everything, then you can decide where do I want to be? Yeah. Like where where do I fit? What makes me happy? I remember after I was at MBSC, after being there for a while, I'm like, this is where I kind of belong. Yeah. It just felt right, the right fit. But some people might have a different feeling. Yes. But if you don't know, you have to at least know what you don't like. That's right. a good. That's exactly. a good experience as well. If it was a failure, like I remember, Brendan said we were talking about mental toughness in the last. And he goes, "Mental toughness is finding the good in everything." Yes, and that's the way of I remember go, like that's we go talked about our stoic approach, right? Mm-hmm. And and so, but going and if you have a bad internship experience, a bad volunteer experience, at least you know that's not what you want to do. 
at least that's not now you know that's not how you want to communicate or how you want to run your business yeah, exactly. and so I, you have to look for value in those things because then you'll find like okay what works really well for mm -hmm. me and i think a lot of people they get out of college university whatever they do and then they go into a job and they think like oh this is what it's supposed to be i'm like this is just one experience yeah yeah, yeah. you're supposed to experiences may vary yes yeah, <laughs> so you have to figure out where you fit in yeah. in the industry and that might take a little while but the sooner you start trying that's true this, I'm, I'm gonna give a, a shameless plug that you don't have to do that's um when brendan's book came out when your book came out when when i can when we read the books and we combined it with a new functional training for uh, training for sports we were uh, i was like if i had these three books earlier it would have saved me so much heartache and so much pain and trouble and we're like oh man but those three books that we we recommended to a lot of people just go like hey you want you want to set yourself up and fast forward like you had with your internship for three months and a ten thousand hours if you want more knowledge um if you want like rules or things you can check off or like a solid foundation that will set you up for success read this apply this find what works find what doesn't work for you and then see what happens mm -hmm. in turn Add value to the team when you intern. Uh, you know, you might not have a ton of experience, but you're if you're willing to work hard, that's that's great. Yeah. You, you could be like, oh, I'll, I'll you know I'll cut up these boxes, I'll clean the gym, I'll, I'll let me let me get that for you. You know, you you could be add value just by Demonstrate being there. Demonstrate your value. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I always tell our interns like when you start, the number one thing I need you to do is know everybody's name. Yeah. Go up when you show up, introduce yourself to everybody, whether they're clients whether they're their coaches, figure that out. And then the best thing you can do is when you find yourself standing still is say, Hey, what can I do for you? And that's the person I'm like, you don't have to know anything about strength conditioning. You don't have to have any degree or experience, but you're eager. Yeah. Eager. You along. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you can't manufacture the wants, you know, right? Like they either do or they don't. And that's why internships are so valuable because anyone can interview. Well, anyone can write, you talked about, a guy writing a bad uh, resume, right? Yeah. Anyone can write a good resume, hopefully, or interview well. But in a few months or a month, you're going to figure out who that person actually yeah. is, right? The, the mask comes off or the charade goes away. And you're like, this person is a really good worker, really personal. Or you're like, probably not a good fit for what we are. Sure. And uh, and so if you want to get hired, being able to demonstrate that is good. Or if you want to hire in your gym, having that opportunity for people is a great way because then i mean nothing's worse than when you hire someone and you're like this isn't going to work sure. um, because it's costly you already paid yeah. them now you have to go hire somebody else whereas mm -hmm. if you have a lower cost barrier of entry like an internship where they're going to get college credits then you can be like this person this be a good fit. Well, at the time yeah uh, obviously you make a good point but i do the same thing with clients i'm like i'm going to invest my time i'm not, i'm never going to get time back so if if there's someone working here or, or interning here i mean like yeah the money yeah that that sucks but i could have spent more time with my wife with my with our daughter with my clients who are awesome instead of like having this client who's half assing stuff i'm like yeah you just waste my time that's yeah. that's well and you brought up a good point of something we talked about today is like once these other things come into your life your wife your family your children how you value your time significantly changes when, when you're a single personal trainer or strength <laughs> conditioning coach you can work 70 hours yeah. like you could literally like we've all done it you probably burn out but like a lot of us have probably yeah. done it where you work 
you're every day you're in at like five thirty or six, especially in America. Morning classes are very popular, and then people want to work out after work, so you're yeah. working at night and you're working a ton of hours. And you're like, I'm just grinding. The second you like, once you're married, you're like, I spend some time with my husband or my wife. Um, now you want to like, you're like, I want to go home and like unwind and like watch Netflix or just like talk and eat dinner and not have to like shove food in my face and go to bed. Yeah. Um, that's so And then when you have a kid, which I'm looking forward to this experience, you both have a young child and like how you value your time changes. And so you're like, I'm not going to waste my time managing this person. I'm not going to waste my time training this person because I want to go home and spend time with my daughter. Cause like you, what you said to me today was very interesting that like, you're like, I used to almost feel guilty. Like I wanted to like have to work. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I have a hard time saying no to people, especially if they ask for my help and I'm saying no, that, that feels like kind of like selfish, like we said. Uh, but now that I have Aileen, our daughter, who's now uh, a little over two years old, um, it's so much easier to say no on the days that I, I'm home with her. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna work. Well, maybe I open my laptop for a few emails, but that's when she's asleep and but preferably no. No, absolutely not. And before this, um, when a client came to me and was like, yeah, but I can only train on Mondays and Wednesdays. And even if I didn't have any clients, I was like, yeah, okay, I'll be in the gym for for those days. And now it's like, no, sorry, but you got to make it work on any other day because those are my working days and the other days are my days off. Um, so yeah, that's, that's a big difference, uh, since becoming a mom. It's a difference in fitness too, is that people think your time is their time. Exactly. If you were working in your old marketing job, like you would work Monday through Friday, nine to five and you not answering an email might not be a big deal Friday after 5 PM or Monday before 9 AM. Um, but in fitness, it's like, well, this is when I don't know. Yeah. And so they have this expectation. The client has this expectation that like, well, this is when I want it. This is when I get it. And you now being a business owner, being able to be like, listen, I can't take you then, but maybe I have another coach who can see exactly. you or I could, I could accommodate you at this time. Yeah. And like, because now your other priority is strong enough for you to be like, this is where the things are yeah. in order. Yeah. And it's very hard for people to, sure. to be able to rearrange and, uh, and do that. But it's important because that's how people get burnt out. Is they like, Absolutely. I, I, I mean, there's, Mike has the saying, he goes, I've never been to a strength conditioning coach's retirement party. <laughs> uh, Mike will probably be the first one, right? Like he's yeah. the first generation really of strength <laughs> yeah. conditioning coaches, but a lot of them don't make it or they get divorced or they, their family falls apart or their business falls apart because balancing the demand yeah. of your energy is very, very, very tough to do. I think a lot of people found that out in the last couple of years mm-hmm. with the, the lockdowns and everything. Um, it's it's just you should prioritize what's I think it was clearly obvious to a lot of people, super obvious to a lot of uh, people what was worth reintroducing and what was not. And then you know also with Aylin, who was born just before like the the big pandemic hit here in the Netherlands or worldwide actually, uh, it, you're just like all right, this I'm gonna do and this I'm this is what I'm not gonna do. Yeah. And you're more. You're just more selective, or like uh, um, Greg McHugh says, the 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 quick no and the slow yes. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah, higher slow, fire fast is the same thing, right? And so, yeah, and that's the thing you need to learn is like if it if immediately you don't say absolutely, you're like then I don't want to do it. Yeah, and it's hard. Like naturally, fitness people are people pleasers, right? Service yes. mindset. You want to yeah. give, you want to help. 
But at some point, you're like, I'm emptying my own cup to fill somebody else's, and that becomes a problem. Yeah, a while ago, I was in a, a podcast, uh, the Soften podcast, performance podcast, and we talked about the first couple of years you take on every client, and you just coach your behind off. Yeah. And then the next couple of years, I said like zero, zero to five years, you coach everybody. The next five years, five to ten years, you kind of get more selective. And right now, well, I'm talking maybe – just my position, your position as well, I guess. We're, we're just like, I'm very selective. So I only coach like maybe like 10 or 10 people like very intensely for, for special force selection or Marine Corps, um, like extra stuff, you know. And But these people, I'll be on my phone a lot. And sometimes even, you know, usually in the weekend as well. But at some time, in like eight, it's it's like nine or eight o'clock in the evening. Enough already. It'll, yeah. I'll, I'll be, it'll, it'll be there in six in the morning. But if it's like super urgent, then I'll tell someone like, okay, I really have to take this. But the, that also helps with the clients. You expect a lot from them, but they can expect a lot from you as well. But you have to really like if something's going on with Alan. Yeah. Unless yeah. you are, unless the gym is on fire or you're on fire, I don't really care. Yeah, it's important to have boundaries with your yeah. time and your energy. And I think setting those, you said tough conversations, yeah. setting those with clients very early yeah. and setting those with people you work with very early, like this is what is acceptable, this is what's not acceptable, yeah. this is the way we work. The second you get the ones out of the way early, the rest of your relationship is easy. Absolutely. It's when there's amb ambiguity around how, what is our relationship. Yeah that it gets very tough because then someone becomes a line stepper, right? Yeah, and you exactly. Yeah. No, people, that, people that give should set boundaries because people that take don't have any boundaries. That's the quote right there. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, and so what's really interesting to me is like you guys have niches, right? And another one that you have is the endurance athlete thing. And like, I'm sure a lot of that, I don't know if that was going into the military or after, but like you were, yeah. Obviously, military has an endurance demand, but you're triathlete and now marathoner, ultra marathoner, things like that. And how is that tied in to your fitness business? And how has that made you a better coach? Like, I think it probably gives you perspective on things that are difficult. Um, it's obviously, obviously giving you a clientele because I know you work with some um, other endurance athletes. Yeah. But how do those things two kind of tie in together for you? Well, I, I guess it's just a, a little bit a runaway hobby. So was, <laughs> I know I got dad jokes. So uh, what I wanted to say was um, I was never really I, I, I kind of like enjoyed running. I, I, I was like 18 years old and kind of preparing to get into special forces uh, selection. And then I saw like I ran in school some stuff, but I wasn't really good at it. And then um, I saw something on the TV, which was uh, the finish of, of the Ironman World Championship. And anybody that has a little bit of history, uh, knowledge of history of the Ironman uh, World Championship, there's like a, 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 a race where one of the female athletes crawled across the finish line. And it was like, and she got passed in the last couple of hundred meters and somebody else won. And the, the, the girl was on the, the, the woman, the lady was on the floor just crawling towards the finish line, and I was like, that's insane. Iron Man, and full, a full triathlon, and I was like, I wonder if I can do that, the 3.8-mile swim. I don't know, if somebody else would do the, the math. The 180K bike and the, the full marathon. The next day, the next morning, very early, I just started running. I was like, I'm going to run. 
let's see if I can do this. After 400 meters, I was like, done. Walked back in defeat. And we're like, oh, next day, try again. And I really started learning to enjoy uh, training for endurance. But it was more, not just like the physical aspect, it was the mental aspect as well. Because uh, I run without any music on, like a psychopath. So I'll just listen to the to to my body and listen to my steps and listen to the voice inside my head. And that basically just the boundary or that limit or that ceiling just kind of went up and up and up and did half marathons, 10 K, but like at a, at a very fast or for my doing a very fast pace. And uh, I always kind of just kept moving that bar or that, that, that goal up more and more. So eventually I did the world championship half Ironman twice. I did uh, one full Ironman, which was the European championship. Um, and uh, I, and I got my question answered was, could I ever do a full Ironman? And I, and I finished and I was just like, Oh wow, I, I guess I can do this. But just seeing where my physical and mental, yeah, where the line was and creeping up or pushing that line further was really something I enjoy. So now I, I kind of, I quit triathlon. Um, and my wife's very excited, excited about that. Uh, so uh, I did my full Ironman um, and I kind of was like, I'm not really enjoying, I, I tried training for triathlon and half and full Ironman still found it not to be that rewarding anymore. Actually it felt more like a chore and if some endurance athletes are listening to this and triathletes are listening to this, they might agree when I say, when a triathlete tells other triathletes like, hey, I'm going to stop triathlon, it's almost like a guilt. You, you feel like you have to kind of like explain yourself why you're sorry. trying to get out. Yeah. yeah, I'm sorry, everybody. I'm going to quit triathlon. But it's weird if you think about it. You, This is something you should enjoy. And I do enjoy coaching my pro triathlete. I do coaching my age group athlete. I, I love triathlon. I just don't love doing triathlon anymore. Uh, it's like a crazy ex. So now for me, what... I felt like it was taking away too much energy uh, from the family, from the business, from me personally. And then I said, like, okay, I'm just going to sell my bike and it's, uh, no more swimming and uh, just run three times a week. My energy was up. My stress level was down. Uh, my resting heart rate was down. Uh, I felt so much better, more, more focus and more rest. And now I, I kind of went like, well, what else can I do? Now I'm running marathons for, for just for shits and giggles. I just ran a marathon like three weeks ago. And, and like two days later, I was running. Up, no, this, the day after, I was running up the stairs and doing uh, bounds and hops and jumps. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. And getting into ultra. So I talked about this yesterday. <laughs> yeah, I was going to do my first ultra. Uh, so for the people that don't know, a marathon is, is like 42.2 kilometers and everything over marathon distance is an ultra. And then it's basically a 50K is like the shortest ultra you can do. I was supposed to do my first ultra because I thought, okay, let's get into this. I'm, I'm very excited about this. No more triathlon, ultra. Ultra trail is very friendly for your your ligaments and your tendons and your muscles because it's like unpaved. It's like on on trail. Yeah. Uh, there's uh, there's nature. There's like like little hills, etc. So the the experience is different. Different instead of 
starting line as fast as you can to the finish line. It's more about the experience. You're enjoying yes. the environment that you're going through. Think about what you just said. You're enjoying <laughs> endurance, yes. being out there. So I was I signed up for my first 50k pretty close by, uh, but unfortunately I've been training for it. My my triathlon my my endurance coach is actually my pro triathlete. He trains me and I I coach him. Yeah. He coaches me. I'm a strength coach. He's my endurance coach, and he coached me towards it. And I was like aching to go. Uh, the 50 kilometer was about to happen, but uh, the night before there was a big storm, like a really big storm here in the Netherlands, and and uh, was like weather alert with like code red and everything. Like oh, this is no joke. So it got canceled like 12 hours before the race. Oh I was God. like, it's like a heartbreaker. Yeah. Uh, for me, I was like. No, oh, this is happening. So yeah. what I did was, was so, so, so I didn't do this for nothing. I want to see, you know, if I can manage this 50 kilometers. And so I was like, you're going to do 50 kilometers? I'm like, it's only like seven kilometers further than, than the marathon. I ran 45, so it's only five kilometers more than that. It's like, only like this day. So, yeah, so I was like, you're going to do 50K? I'm like, a lot of people, I'm not saying Sona, but a lot of people are like, 5K hurts. So that means 50K hurts 10 times as much. Like, that's not how that works. But, you know, you'll find out. If you know, you know. But, like, so, you think you project that fear. Yes. Right? Yes. But it's not just that you're doing 50K. You're about to do 50K by yourself. Yes. So yes. Here, here it comes. So I was like, the song, like, no, you can feel shitty at, like, the 10K mark, and your legs might be gone for 5K, and your legs might come back, and you might have a great extra like 20 uh, 30 kilometers after that so i was no. yeah she's like no. yeah, you're, you might just be speaking klingon yeah, on the same yeah. Yeah. yeah you might just be speaking like a whole different <laughs> language like all right so um and i was like son we we had people jump in and coach my classes and my personal training clients um, I had the car, I had the, all the stuff like nutrition laid out. I was like, no, I'm, I'm going to run 50 K. So couldn't race the race, basically went to the local forest where I trained for my trail running and went like, all right, I guess I'm running 50 kilometers. And then I got up at, or started running, running at seven o'clock in the morning. So I had to run with my head headlight on cause it was pre-dawn and, uh, yeah, yeah. So, you know, that was yeah, I ran fifty. So I had I ran fifty kilometers by myself. No, no music. No, no people cheering. It was just me and fifty. It's uh, almost six hours of, of running. And what was the biggest distance you had run prior to that? Like, was it a marathon distance, yeah. or had you run? Yeah, forty-five. But that was uh, like a year ago, yeah. a year, year before. So, this so I knew you knew this was further than you could, you've ever done. Yes, and it was solo. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm not like look at me. But there's definitely, I'd say, it, it kind of gets me emotional, but I, I'd say layers get stripped away. Like you said, like Shrek with an onion, layers get peeled back yeah. because if you're out by yourself that long and it's like physically you can do it because ultra running, ultra, ultra running is about 70% is mental and 30% is physical because, but there's nobody around. Nobody cares if you make it. Nobody cares if you quit. And it's like real easy to quit, and you're, it's going to go ups and downs with your energy, but also with your mental like state. You're going to be like it's real tough. But I would say the 50 kilometers ultra that I ran solo, I could. It's it's like in my in the same like order of finish, finishing my full Ironman. Well, there's like 
thousands of people were around in, in Frankfurt. It was so busy. Someone was there as well. It was, it was awesome. But that, that 50K is like the complete opposite. Nobody around it. Like, I just From 50. what you probably gained out of it yeah. is a very different thing, right? Like yes. when you were telling me yesterday how like you would run by your car. Yes. Yeah. How easy is it at, you know, you're like, oh, all right, well, I've done 25K or I've done 30K. I could just get in the car right now. I could go home. But Take a you, know, you could not live with yourself by saying, no. I just stopped. I, and from yeah. the mental exercise for you to say, oh, I'll have my little gel, I'll have my Snickers like you like to have, yeah. and then be like, I'm going to keep running. I ran 26K, and then I had to stop by the like uh, the, the trunk, and then had a, uh, had, a, had a Coke and had a Snickers. Then I ran another 14K, uh, and then I, 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 I ran 40 kilometers, and I knew I had to do the last 10K, which was going to be the toughest 10K. And it wasn't going very smoothly, and I didn't consume enough calories. And I was like, nobody cares if I if I run the next 10k, which is going to take me over an hour right now on the trail and like very fatigued. And I was like, remembering what I asked my clients, go like, what do you tell yourself when it gets tough? What are you going to say to yourself? You know, what's what's what do you tell yourself and go like, hey, it's what it is, man. It's, just get this done. Say what? Is, what was your internal dialogue to yourself at that point? Like, I already signed. I already said to myself I was going to do this. Yeah, I, I before I started, I was like, no matter what happens, unless it's like a medical thing, I'm like, I'm. I've decided already before I even take my first step, I'm going to finish this whole thing. Doesn't matter how long it takes me, I'm finishing 50 kilometers. Uh, so, I already decided I was going to make it, and I all I had. It was to just do it. The decision was over already. It yes. And, and how, what kind of coach would I be asking my clients that want to go through selection? You yeah. know, like, what kind of example would I be? But I need, I still need, after being in the Marine Corps, after being on deployment, after doing, doing Ironman, full and two halves or, or two world championship half, I still need to feel uncomfortable. I still need a worthy goal that I need to, like, work towards the uncommon right like you need something to to work towards. yes but really like even like i'm I'm not sure if i almost even spiritually i need something to wrestle with that nobody else you you can't buy finishing 50 kilometers you can't it's the only one way to do this and that's to push yourself and i need to be uncomfortable in that way otherwise i just my wife's gonna kill me because i'm gonna be like (laughs) i'm not gonna be like the, the the um, the gem, the joy that I am. But I think what you hit on was what a lot of people look for. It might not necessarily be endurance running. No. It might be a business project. It might yeah. be um, their children. It might be something that they are tied to exactly. that keeps them moving forward. Absolutely. And it could be running. It could be a lot of different things. And then, and it's that you have something that gets you out there every day. Yeah. It's a business. It's your kids. It's your wife. It's yeah. the running. But they're all a piece of that. And I think you have something that, like, when you were talking about yesterday about endurance running, about the mentally, like I like being alone at that time so I can think, right? There's no escaping from yourself. No. Yeah, and, and everyone needs to have that, I think, in some capacity um, for their own mental state. Yeah, to push yourself a little further than where you thought you would have gone. Yeah, and, and you have to be okay with going to a little bit of a dark place or a little bit of an uncomfortable place because that's where the change 
is really going to happen. You're not going to be comfortable on your couch. I mean, you'll be comfortable on your couch, but you're not going to change on your couch. You're not going to change. That's actually the definition of passion. Right, yeah. You have to be uh, willing to suffer. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, it's not a passion. It's just uh, a nice feeling of the day. It's just a hobby. But it's... It, then it's just a hobby, but if you have a passion and it's worth suffering for, and yeah. whether that's strength and conditioning or being a coach or running ultras, or raising whatever. two kids, three kids by yeah. yourself or whatever, yeah. you know, it could be, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. You got to get past the comfort. Yeah. I'd say the, the, like, especially in those last 10 kilometers, that, that was worth, you need to be really tired, really uncomfortable. And then you find out, what's going to happen and what, what you're made of and what lies underneath. And that's where you, those, those first 40 kilometers weren't that that's not special. It's the last 10 kilometers that makes it special. Cause then it's like, there's no more hiding. You can't be like, Oh, everything's going great. Meanwhile, narrator, meanwhile, everything was not going great, <laughs> but you find out and that's what your passion will, will get you. Uh, yeah. and, and for me, that's, the thing and being uncomfortable, I guess you choose to be uncomfortable. I think Tim Ferriss said that uh, yeah. the more um, volunteering, voluntary suffering you introduce in your life, the less non-voluntary suffering will inf- uh, like you. affect your life. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's a good way to uh, to end it. So, guys. Awesome. That was uh, really enjoyable. Thank you. One, thankful, thank you for being a great host, great couple of hosts for me. This place is amazing. Obviously, we'll be back. Like we awesome. Discussed. Hell yeah. Um, thank you for, for listening to this. This will probably come out a week after next. So uh, awesome. this was awesome. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for having us on. So. Absolutely. Thanks, man. <laughs> Team high five. Team high five. <laughs> Perfect.